Hello from the Global Legal Blockchain Consortium Annual Meeting at National Harbor, Maryland. I'm Amy Bronze. I'm Kate Briscoe. I'm Trent Carlisle. I'm James Cornell. I'm Brian Kuhn. And I'm Corey Goodshow. And we're on the road with Legal Talk Network. And we're back. Thank you so much for joining us for On the Road. It's a pleasure to be here. Today we're talking about some of the proof of concepts that were demonstrated at our annual meeting today. But before we get into that, if everybody could just give a quick bio. I am Kate Briscoe, CEO of the Legal Beagles Group. We run the Legal Beagles Forum, which is the world's busiest and most popular free legal advice forum. And we have been working for the last 11 years to solve the problem of access to justice. I'm Trent Carlisle, CTO and co-founder of a company called Logical. One of our parent brands is Serve Manager. And Serve Manager is the most widely used platform to manage service of process jobs. Hi, I'm James Cornell. I'm the office administrator for Shook, Hardy & Bacon in their DC office. And I'm also the president-elect of the Association of Legal Administrators. Uh, we're a member-based association that are the uh, leaders in the business of law. And I'm Brian Kuhn. I founded the Watson Legal Business at IBM uh, and focus on bringing business of law and practice of law solutions to law firms and corporate law departments by way of next generation artificial intelligence. Fantastic. So we want to go into, um, obviously there was a lot of proofs of concepts, uh, which was really exciting to kind of see what everybody's doing out and about in the space. Um, so if you wouldn't mind um, sharing a little bit with us, Kate, about um, how Legal Beagle became part of the GLBC and uh, ultimately what you, how you're using blockchain and um, how you came about your POC. Yeah, we've uh, joined the GLBC because, uh, primarily because I'm a huge fan of the blockchain concept and because I represent uh, millions of consumers, I can see that there is a really fair and equitable solution for them going forward. We've developed a range of products and services around our very busy consumer forum, not only to collect, connect them to better legal services, but also to take advantage of the new technologies that are emerging. We've already achieved that with artificial intelligence. Yeah. And AI is almost meaningless if you don't consider it alongside blockchain Agreed. and the trusted ways that consumers can connect with professionals, digital systems. And we want to be here today to announce what we're doing with our Beagle wallet to allow consumers to do that far more easily in the future. Fantastic. Can you uh, elaborate a little bit more about your Beagle wallet? What, what is it that you guys um, have developed and how is blockchain uh, integrated into that? Excuse me. Well, blockchain is sort of the future of how the, block, uh, how the wallet will talk to those online digital organizations, mm -hmm. lawyers and online courts and things like land registries. All of these processes and systems are becoming digitized. But security and trust is the problem at the heart of all of them. And I think you're a long way off from consumers being happy to upload private and personal documents to a blockchain. So we're building a wallet which will allow those secure documents to be held, to allow them to complete with money laundering checks and ID checks, which is a persistent problem in the industry, as well as to hold personal contract documents such as leases to alert consumers to issues potentially arising from those documents through through breaches, and also a personal private case management tool, because eight out of 10 consumers do not use lawyers, and yet are pretty awful at managing these litigations on their own. Sure. We want to put that in a much more consumer-friendly, consumer-centric uh, format through our wallet, giving them their own trusted portal to be able to access those services in the future. Fantastic. I know you, um, you know, shared with me a little bit earlier 
your sort of heart for access to justice and how did that kind of come about for you and um, where do you see yourselves going in the near and somewhat distant future? Well, I'm an ex-consumer finance litigator. So I represented consumers in major disputes against banks and debt companies, Mm -hmm. which was a huge amount of volume of work following the global credit crunch, which was around the time I started my career. So I can see that consumers have low levels of trust with such organizations, and there has been quite a lot of abuse of consumers through the tightenings and changes in uh, rules and regulations and austerity and budget cuts. It's been a tough time for consumers, and I think everyone agrees, 80% of consumers being unable to access legal services is unacceptable. Especially when you realize that a healthy legal system is connected to a healthy economy. Absolutely. We're shooting ourselves in the foot if we don't get this right. So the Beagles Group is going to go forward and be that trusted representative for consumers and small businesses to be able to safely use such services. And it may well increase the use of lawyers. We hope so. But lawyers have also got to take part in democratizing their services and making them more affordable. So it's a sort of meeting in the middle, but we're coming from the consumer side. Fantastic. Yeah, we're excited to, we are excited to have you here today and we're really excited about what you guys are doing in Thank the future. You. Trent, uh, do you want to elaborate a little bit on what you guys are doing with Serve Manager and how you've integrated? Sure. Um, yeah, I think similar to um, what you were saying about uh, consumer issues, um, we also have seen the same thing in, in service of process. The, the blockchain component to, to take a look at it and get involved with the GLBC and Integra made a lot of sense in the context of what we have seen, uh, unfortunately, quite a bit in service of process, and that's related to um, uh, what's, what's called sewer service, and it kind of sounds exactly like what it is, right. except for not probably literally, but <laughs> it probably has happened. Yeah. Um, it's the notion of someone not actually being notified when they're a party to a suit. Many times these are uh, consumer debt cases and mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden wages are being garnished and um, it's, it's, it's not a good thing for the system. Sure. Um, New York City, uh, this cropped up in, in 09 when I think the number is 66% of the uh, consumer debt cases that were wow filed that year had some form of sewer sewer service involved. So we have a platform, uh, Serve Manager. Like I said, it's a product to manage service or process, but there's also some uh, kind of proof layers Mm -hmm. on top of, I mean, it's it's kind of ironic because service or process is supposed to prove that you've actually been served. Right, right, right. Um, You know, but there are some layers on top where we're actually capturing GPS, timestamp, you know, device data, anything that we can to possibly add additional verification on top of a process server saying he or she did what they said that they were going to do. So blockchain made a lot of sense uh, just because then that data gets posted to blockchain and it's immutable from there and it becomes another layer of proof that a lot of hoops would have to be jumped through um, to then falsify uh, uh, service of process. Sure. And is it your hope that different courts will then start you being able to admit this as, as evidence? Or uh, is we that hope so. Thinking? I mean, maybe having the, uh, you know, this out in the wild and actually being used and, uh-huh. you know, being able to show the data and have use cases possibly. Um, I think it probably starts with the jurisdiction, sure. you know, like the, New York City and other states who, you know, states that are taking blockchain seriously and have a lot of legislation surrounding it, the New Yorks and Delawares. Yeah, I know um, California, actually, they just had one of um, the first cases that are actually, it's admissible in the court of law now, mm-hmm. okay. uh, some of the blockchain. So yeah. I, that's yeah. obviously incredibly encouraging for all of us uh, in the space. And so it's, I think that that's probably yeah. 
going down that road. Yeah, so. I mean, the more that we can do as a technology platform to, to push it and to uh, kind of tout the benefits, yeah. I think that's that's the route that, that yeah. we're taking right now. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think really uh, pinpointing real world problems, you know, a lot of um, questions that kind of come up to us, I know, is yeah, blockchain's great and it's it's this thing and it's out there, but what is it actually solving mm-hmm. for? And so I think that that's part of being here today and, and seeing really where everybody is in, in the space is is starting to open eyes to um, some actual real life tangible solutions, yeah. which is which is really exciting. Agreed. James, I know you guys have uh, just recently kind of become involved. How did you become involved in the GLBC and where are you guys looking to go with your proofs of concept? Yeah, great question. And, and for us, it, to your point about the real life applicability of the blockchain, yeah. we got involved uh, in the, the Global Legal Hackathon back in uh-huh. February. Absolutely. Um, our members are uh, involved on the business of law side, so on the operation administration side of law firms. And, mm-hmm. and we're thinking about how are we uh, solving the problems of the future. And we created a set of codes a couple of years ago that we, we refer to them as the Uniform Process-Based Management Codes. And the idea with those codes is that they uh, allow us to capture or, uh, operational and administrative uh, data, right. basically supporting the services of law. We didn't have any way to actually deliver those codes into uh, into law firms and give them to our members to use. And so we came together at the hackathon and ended up uh, working with uh, a group of folks who created a concept to allow us to um, create an API that would allow us to implement those codes, write those codes to the blockchain, Mm -hmm. extrapolate that data out from the blockchain, uh, use artificial intelligence to do a deeper dive analysis on on what was actually contained in that operational data. And at the moment that we did that, it became really obvious to us a real life application for these codes. And so um, we've really come to this uh, fairly recently and are excited about the opportunity to think about ways we can use blockchain technology to solve the challenges of the business of law. And, um, which of, of which there are many. <laughs> of which there are many. And, <laughs> yeah. and I think we really are uh, at the tip of the iceberg with regard to how, um, how that technology can be used. But we certainly see it on the, uh, uh, on the business side of uh-huh. what, what, our, uh, what our lawyers are doing inside legal organizations. We definitely know our clients want us to be involved and know about uh, blockchain, but we want to be able to use that uh, technology to actually run our our organizations better. Yeah, fantastic. Brian, um, obviously we've known each other for quite some time, but um, we've got some exciting things. Um, and I know that Kate had mentioned earlier that uh, AI, uh, you almost can't go to any conference or anything without AI and blockchain sort of being married together. So why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, what you're doing now and uh, what we can expect to see from you in the, in the near future. So building upon the theme of business-driven AI, Uh, That is the primary focus. The focus has been lately to identify the areas of law that companies pay the greatest number of law firms the greatest amount of money for year Mm -hmm. over year. And to work with law firms to build solutions around those particular uh, areas that represent what the market needs. Um, And there are a large number of fantastic AI solutions out there today. Um, But one of the fundamental problems that I think prevents AI from becoming as mature and legal as in other industries um, is that these solutions tend not to talk to each other. Correct. And that they they often tend not to address clients' most pressing business needs. And clients are making it very clear to outside counsel what they want and what they expect. Mm -hmm. So by partnering with law firms to help their clients meet those needs, um, we can bring law firms back into the loop 
rather than just build solutions that disintermediate law firms. Yes. Because law firms understand the law. Yeah, um, absolutely. Better than vendors, better than vendor data scientists. Uh, you need vendors, you need law firms, you need companies working together to produce the best quality AI. Now where blockchain comes in is the provenance of that AI, the provenance absolutely. of the recommendations that an AI solution produces. Um, so who trained my machine learning model? Was it actually trained by a subject matter expert addressing the specific area that the solution is meant to focus on? And uh, an audit trail of the machine learning decision-making process itself, a forensic audit trail. And as AI becomes more of a factor across businesses and industries, because its benefits simply are profound, uh, we can expect there to be legal and compliance issues. Yes. Um, and this is broadly written about even now, uh, that blockchain, and really only blockchain, is positioned currently to help address. Yeah, some of those issues, yeah. yeah. I, I think that there's uh, absolutely no doubt, I mean, you know, to your point, James, that, you know, to an extent we are in, you know, early stages, uh, really, uh, of any of it. Um, but I think even just over the past year, watching uh, the blockchain and AI space, excuse me, AI space evolve, um, you are really starting to see uh, things bubble up and, and real life applications starting to emerge, which, it, which is really exciting for us. I spoke with a couple other groups of the POCs earlier, and we really just sort of touched on as new, either new and or old members of the GLBC, um, what is it that excites you about that, about having a consortium like that? And um, what do you most hope to get out of being a part of um, a group like the GLBC? The reason that I've been so impressed with the GLBC approach to blockchain is the fact that it's come in so early when it was so needed to create a framework for multiple organizations to participate in a fair and open way with a blockchain network because there was always this danger just as we've had with data of silos and you know information being trapped within corporate entities yes. what's so innovative and clever about the GLBC is that a range of organizations from universities to corporations to consumer organizations like myself can jump in can effectively become a node on that network and therefore contribute to a network of trust and again, when I come from a consumer's perspective, that is vital. But it's also vital for business to allow healthy growth. Right. This is pioneering times, and we're all slightly blind leading the blind. But when we do so as a group, which is everything that I'm interested in, then it creates a trusted network, and it creates multiple opportunities, not just in networking, but to share resources and to share ideas and to see how we can most cost-effectively and imaginatively go for the solutions that are clearly there and waiting for us in blockchain. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I know uh, in previous conversation with uh, Thomson Reuters and with Walter Kluwers, um, you know, we talked a lot about the benefits of even, even sometimes competitive agencies mm. really having an opportunity to come together and collaborate and ultimately not have to reinvent the wheel yeah. uh, so many times where it, you know, we've got a platform or an application that's coming together um, to be able to share on that level without fear of you know, getting taken over or whatnot. So I, I think that you're right. I think, and that I think was one of the um, biggest points for us in forming the GLBC was aside from just creating, you know, standards uh, for this particular space, but really creating a platform or a group uh, in which people can come together and collaborate to, to really push the industry forward and really move the needle. Um, so that was really, really important, at least, at least for us. Um, Trent, you were actually one of the early 
uh, members coming in and actually, I think if not the first, one of the first um, proofs of concepts to come to come about. What was the driving force behind you coming in? Well, we wanted to get on the uh, get on the train, get on the blockchain <laughs> train. <laughs> it was uh, no, you, you got. I mean, the GLBC Integra. Uh, kind of, you know, just out of nowhere. It's a technology we were all kind of aware of and really didn't understand, um, again, kind of what is coming to light now, the practical applications, how can this actually be used? And um, I think it was the uh, MIT forum on blockchain yeah. and AI. And that's, that's when we got our first real introduction to it. And, and it was exciting. It was exciting to see the momentum, what was being built, the possibilities, even though some were a little abstract at the time. I mean, everything that you two just said, I mean, this is, you know, th these are the reasons why that we want to be a part of the GLBC and what, what's going on. But I, I think the collective voice that yeah. is coming out of this and the buy-in and um, especially for something that has practical applications, yeah, that's, that's what's exciting for us. And um, there's a lot of cool stuff coming out of it. So to see everyone's proof of concepts today is inspiring as well. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree with you. James, how about you? How do, how do you feel uh, the GLBC kind of, a, I guess, uh, moves the needle a little bit, I guess? I think for us, um, the ability to collaborate with other um, contributors, other members of the GLBC is important. We would like to think that being um, in-house on the business and operation side uh, of a legal organization would give yeah. us a perspective that uh, would be important. Uh, and um, to Brian's point about looking at what clients are asking for, uh, our organizations exist to serve our client base. And knowing what their needs and wants are is important. Obviously, on the business and operational side of a law firm, being able to bring those tools to our organizations yeah. and take that information and come back into an organization like this and say, here are the challenges we see, what technology exists or what technology is out there that allows us to be able to solve these challenges is, I think, a really powerful um, potential for us. Yeah, absolutely. Brian, you were one of, one of the first to drink the Kool-Aid, so to speak. <laughs> so how have you seen the GLBC um, evolve and is it has it gone down the roads that you thought it would and has it met and or, you know, exceeded or? Yeah, um, the answer is yes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so from the, from the very beginning, it was the AI blockchain connection. It that was. confluence yes. that brought us together. And that is bearing fruit and will continue to bear fruit in a big way. Yeah. What I'm particularly excited about, though, is so I think that what you're doing is fascinating, but what's really interesting is having had the perspective within IBM of seeing what IBM is doing with blockchain, and it's making great strides as well, but many large companies are focused on just building blockchain solutions without focusing on the fundamental sort of uh, plumbing. Yes, first, foundational layer. Which is what is the network? And you can't have toasters and microwaves uh, without an electric grid to plug to plug yes. them into. And so you're one of the only organizations of any sort of blockchain entity that's focused on that. And yeah. I think that you stand a better chance of continuing to exist and getting it right uh, and yeah. offering value than anyone else. Yeah, I mean, it was really uh, important. You know, I use the analogy, the, the wise man built his house upon the rock. And so many uh, organizations are really focused on the application layer and which is why you see so many with, you know, with the, the boom of the ICOs and, and whatnot, where they're all kind of built on a lot of, you know, most of them, a lot of nothing. So when you have problems, there's nowhere to go. So it was really, really important for us to kind of do the slow and steady wins the race and really make sure that we are 
we are setting up a, a really solid foundation. And I know um, in setting up the GLBC, becoming, you know, really truly being agnostic um, was really important to us from a, uh, to bring in creative minds and to, to really set a, a true integrity of this group. So it's, it's been a, an exciting journey, you know, over the last year. So it's been awesome having all of you guys, you know, to see what all you guys are doing. And, you know, we've grown so much. I mean, my gosh, even just a few weeks ago, I think we were at 35 members and I think we're at 90 as a, so it's, I mean, it's absolutely wow. incredible and it's really fun to, you know, when everybody tells you at the beginning, oh, you don't want to be a part of the legal community. It's so slow and nobody does anything. And we've really seen uh, a really positive response that there, there are people that really do want to solve a, a real problem. Um, and we're really hoping that the GLBC kind of parents that and furthers that. If I just, if I may say Please. something that with the right approach, yeah. scale is absolutely possible to achieve in legal yeah. technology. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I agree with you. And we are starting to get some real positive, you know, feedback from, you know, difference of groups. And I know to your uh, comments earlier, James, about being the business of law, I, I think that that's a really important distinction. And when we, we were talking with the white company earlier today about having disparate groups involved in into the GLBC and how you know, important I think that actually is in the actual fabric of the GLBC to, to have not just you know, associates and or you know, corporate legals involved, but really to have people that are putting together solutions on the business side of things. So I, I think that you are absolutely correct. I think it takes, you know, it takes a village to move. Absolutely. I, I think David Fisher, CEO of Integra Leisure, this, said this morning in, yeah. in the session that the GLBC exists to support the business of law. Yeah. So it, it is, um, it's, not, it's not all application technology. And I think that's, yeah. uh, that's really important. Um, I, th I think we will solve problems and challenges uh, today and well into the future. I think that's mm -hmm. an exciting um, uh, space to be in. Yeah, it really is. And I, and I like the, um, the thought of having not just legal companies particularly involved. I think that, you know, when you look at things from the 30,000 foot level, uh, you know, law touches everything. There, there's no business. There's, you know, whether it be a storefront downstairs, uh, you know, or a restaurant or, 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 you know, there is an actual prosecution going on. Every law touches everything. So it's really important to have these other groups in to get these, you know, outside inputs. And so I think that as we move forward, developing working groups uh, within the space with the tech groups and having the real estate working group. And, you know, I think that it's really a, it's really going to help give us a, a much broader, well-rounded community on, on a whole. Before we get going and uh, close out for this particular episode, I'd love to give our listeners an opportunity to get in contact with you if they have uh, you know, further questions and or to learn a little bit more about what you guys are doing uh, in particular. So, Kate, if you'd like to... I'd be delighted. So, I'm Kate Briscoe, which is B-R-I-S-C-O-E, often misspelt. I spend my life <laughs> correcting that one. And I run the LegalBeagles.info forum, which is the world's most popular free legal information site. And I can be reached directly on Kate at LegalBeaglesGroup.com. Fantastic. How about you, Trent? Trent Carlisle. You can email me at Trent at ServeManager.com or I'm on Twitter uh, at Trent Carlisle. And I'm James Cornell. You can reach me via email at jcornell at shb.com or on Twitter at jamescornell3. And I'm Brian Kuhn, B-R-I-A-N-K-U-H-N. The best way to reach me is, is on LinkedIn directly. Great. Well, we've reached the end of today's episode of On the Road. 
I want to thank all of you for being here with us today, and I want to thank our listeners for tuning in. If you liked what you heard today, please go ahead and rate us in Apple Podcasts. Until then, we'll see you next time for another episode of On the Road with Legal Talk Network. If you'd like more information about what you've heard today, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Subscribe via iTunes and RSS. Find us on Twitter and Facebook. Or download our free Legal Talk Network app in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thank you.